Welcome to the MC Universe, where the Lorehounds your guides to the multiverse and beyond. I'm David, and this is our bonus Halloween episode. I'm joined today by my usual co-hosts, Jean and Alicia, and we're going to cover the MCU horror special, Werewolf by Night. The first part of the episode is going to be all spoiler-free. We're going to talk about the subgenre of MCU horror and then give our hot takes and dig into some production details about the show. After that, we're going to get into the spoiler territory and talk about the show in detail. So if you haven't seen it yet, you can at least listen to the front side of this. We're skipping our usual intro, outro stuff today, uh, real-life scheduling purposes, and we just want to get straight into the episode because this is kind of a bonus special Halloween thing. Uh, just quick reminders that you're welcome to join us on Discord if you want to chat with any of us and other Lorehounds listeners. You can also send feedback. Uh, you can send emails to mcu at thelorehounds.com or use the contact form or voicemail over at our website, thelorehounds.com. Links for all of those things in the show notes below. If you're interested in supporting what we do and you're interested in getting ad-free episodes, check us out at patreon.com. You can subscribe for as little as $3 a month or subscribe for the whole year and we'll give you a 10% discount. And that looks to be just about under $33 for an entire year of amazing content. I mean, you can go out and have a, <laughs> you can go spend some uh, dinner and drinks money for cheaper than that. So if that's something of interest to you, check us out. Otherwise, let's go. Alicia, I just realized something. I didn't mm. load up our soundboard with any spooky music or anything like that. <laughs> we were in October. You that works. That works. You have been busy with your Edgar Allan yeah. Poe stuff with uh, House of Usher on the Wolf Shift Dust Feed and with Anthony on the uh, Bukalu. That podcast between you and Anthony talking about the influences of Poe on George R. R. Martin was amazing. It blew my mind. It was oh. so good. Good. I'm, I'm most proud, though, of the book club where I did the, like the full audio drama for The Fall of the House of Escher. Jean, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. good. Okay. I'm you ready good. for, uh, we're going to record our Loki I'm, episode. What I'm episode ready for is that, that. Episode four tomorrow? Yeah, I'm ready for that. I okay. got some um, extra listening to do tonight, which I'm looking forward to as well. And nice. yeah, going to get geared up. Cool. You guys up for some trick or treating in a couple of days? As yeah, a couple uh, of days as we're recording, I'm not sure when this is going to hit the airwaves. I right. mean, yeah, this is uh, does not exist here. So <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Actually, we have something in November 11th called St. Martinstag, and then kids oh, come around, yeah. but they sing instead of just saying trick or treat, they sing like these really long songs. Oh, wow. <laughs> just wow. like, just so take the candy perform. and go. Just <laughs> oh, take gosh. the candy and go. <laughs> you have to stand there and listen to it, or can you yeah, just throw it out? Politely, yeah. it's like the same three songs. Yeah. Oh boy. Cool. Well, let's get into talking about Werewolf by Night. Alicia, you put together some notes for us. Thank you, as always, for doing thank this you, thank extra you, thank you. stuff. But before we start with our our hot takes and then get into production details, we need to set the stage a little bit because I don't think a lot of people, and I was one of them, who wasn't really aware of the whole subgenre of the sub subgenre of MCU horror. There's a whole world of horror within the MCU. And that's kind of a big deal, I think. No, I think it is. It's always been a big part of the comic books. So they've always been like these spooky, you know, vampire, mm -hmm. Frankenstein, right. werewolves. Devil um, part characters. Of, of, yeah, it's always been a big part of, of Marvel Comics. You know, they would have ongoing comics, not just, you know, one-offs for like Halloween or special issues. But especially in the 70s, they did a lot of a lot of stuff around horror. It hasn't been coming into like the MCU as much until more recently because it requires, you know, it often requires an R rating. Like we have now two things coming mm. up, Blade and the uh, Marvel Zombies. And these are going to be the two first MCU things with an R rating. This was the first special presentation, maybe one of the last. We'll see if th this survives, this format. And it was one of the first forays into Marvel horror, a very closely connected, by the way, to Moon Knight, because Moon Knight first premiered in Werewolf by Night uh, comic books. Right. Just one more point. I think, you know, when you look back at, at Marvel comics as a whole, like some of those, those characters very early on, you could argue they were horror characters, like the Hulk you know, mm. 
is, is yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, mm-hmm. Fantastic Four. They they dealt with a lot of things that we now call superhero a genre, but at its core, they were you know these horrific you know horror stories. Mm-hmm. You know what happens if you have an invisible woman and a, a human torch and and a rock monster. You know mm-hmm. so. <laughs> yeah, so I think there's a lot of horror within Marvel proper that we don't name as horror, mm-hmm. but definitely the influences were were there from those early monster films of the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Right. So I, I think one of the, the bigger titles that we know that touches in this genre is Blade, right? Is mm-hmm. that correct? Yeah. And that was Wesley Snipes back in, and that was David Goyer, who we interviewed recently for yes. the Foundation. Uh, and I think that is, I don't know what your guys' opinions are of that film. Uh, um, second one's the best. Second one's the best? Okay. Yeah. I love Blade. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, John, there's, like, hands down, no, I love Blade. I mean, you know, quite honestly, that, that's the first superhero movie that we should ever talk about. Mm-hmm. Right? Interesting. It's, well, yeah, in terms of history, yeah. Yeah, in terms of history, and, and just in terms of value okay. to, mm-hmm. to a genre. Mm-hmm. Like, that set off everything, from the fight scenes in the first Blade movie in the club, just the whole, everything about Marvel Mm-hmm. You can link back directly to Blade. That's interesting. Though those films were integral to creating the MCU okay. aesthetic. Wow. I was just Definitely. listening to the Joanna Robinson MCU book that was saying exactly that. Mm. Just uh, tying it back to because it, it was also one of the first things where they didn't really believe in these little weird superhero movie right. experiments right. at first. And Blade and then followed by Iron Man was like a one-two punch of like, wow, people mm-hmm. like this and it makes money. And yes. you can sell yeah, yes. toys and, and clothing were- and yeah. And they were, you know, the lesser known, like you said, of the heroes, of their mm-hmm. characters. So, right. Because like so- Sony and uh, Fox and such and Universal, they owned the rights or they had the exactly. rights to the bigger ones. Exactly. Spider-Man. So, yeah. Without Blade, X-Men. I don't know where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's interesting. Are, are you listening to the book on tape? Is, is Joanna yeah. narrating her own, her book? Uh, she she did the prologue and then the rest okay. is narrated by someone else. Very okay. nice. How, how are you voice. finding the book? Just on a side um, note. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, it's very interesting. It's, it's gathered together all of the stories that I know, but there's new details. They talk to, it's a team of three writers, we should say. Right. But they talk to people, you know, who were the stuntmen on this project to just all these people who saw things up close from the sidelines. And so it's very interesting to hear about the details that come out from that. Cool. Well, uh, do you think it's worthwhile that uh, we check it out as well? Or Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think uh, it's it's definitely very interesting. It gives you good context if you didn't have it before. And if you did, then I think yeah, I'm going to hold on to this audiobook and probably listen to it again in the future because there's so much detail mm. in there. Nice. Okay. Cool. Now, Blade, it's the the reimagination, the reimagining of it. It's it, what's happening with Reboot. it. Uh, I believe, yeah, is, is it a reboot proper? Uh, it's mm-hmm. Marshall Ali, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a reboot proper. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because the previous Blade was not part of the MCU. It was a Marvel right. movie, but it was pre-MCU. Right. So, right, okay, um, right. It's not within the, yeah, I right. gotcha. Within the uh, current visioning of it. But he is an MCU character. He's a Marvel character. Yes. He's not yeah, a, sorry. He, He's yeah. an MCU character too. Now, yeah. Yeah, now he is. He's yeah. been made, he's canon in the MCU films, okay. definitely. Yeah, we heard his voice in the Eternals credit scene, uh, uh, talking yes. to Kit Harrington's character, Black Knight. So, yes. okay. and interestingly, there's the Moon Knight connections with Werewolf by Night. We've talked about the Moon Knight connections with Loki um, and Kang. And we also have Black Knight and Blade and Moon Knight are all apparently hanging around museums in the same area of London. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and there was also, so they've, they've kind of like retooled the whole Blade movie like they did with uh, Daredevil, but this happened before that. But before that, they were saying that the Ebony Blade, which we see with uh, Kit Harrington's character at the end of Eternals, would be in Blade. So, fingers crossed. Okay. 
Cool. What else? You've got a note here about Marvel Zombies. What's that? Yeah, that's the animated spinoff to What If, which, by the way, yeah, I think What If's still probably on schedule for December beginning um, because the animation release dates, they have longer lead times and the voice actors are not technically on strike. So, okay. They should stay. So, yeah, there's going to, it's going to be an R rated animated series, four episodes, 2024. So, we'll, we'll see with that right and uh for the what if coming out uh, apparently starting in december fingers crossed uh there one of the episodes is going to be what if the avengers had found uh, surtur who was the fire demon that we saw in thor ragnarok okay oh so that, that should be whoa. a fun horror episode okay that should be that's cool yeah. i like that all right. You know, you know who else I, I would wish John and I were talking about this the other day on uh, Star Wars on um, our uh, podcast for Revenge of the Sith, which will be coming out soon for our Star Wars Film Festival. And we were like, wouldn't it be great if Star Wars had a what if animated as well to play around mm. with some of this? I mean, we have visions. visions which is, yeah. 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 It's kind of a yeah. one ify uh, thing, a what ify thing. But it would be fun if it, if it, uh, if they did actually take some more of the canon characters and flip What if Luke Skywalker. Turn to the dark side. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, everyone wants Darth Jar Jar Binks. That would oh, be God. That'd be interesting. I, I don't want Jar Jar Binks anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking yeah. about what if we had some Keller and Beck? That would be kind of a fun. That would be great. Mm. Yeah. Be very cool. mm-hmm. We don't so. want Jar Jar, but we do love Keller. And, uh, that's a fact. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what else do we have in our, our notes um, here? Anything one about real quick, Let oh, me yeah, just go. say something really quickly. Yeah. I know we, we're the MCU. But we will be the DCU as well soon, right? Mm -hmm, Hopefully. mm -hmm. Oh, you guys Uh, been talking? And and I'm just going to say that the DC deceased, which is DC's take on zombies. Okay. Was, Mm. I'm not going to say better, but yeah. All right. It's, so it's if you've never better if, than Marvel's Marvel zombies. Yeah, mm, okay, okay. Okay. If you've All if right. you've never right. if you've never endeavored to read the DC zombie, it's called De- deceased. Okay. DC deceased. Right. Just excellent, 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 excellent okay. horror. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. All really right. A little stuff. teaser. A little teaser. A little teaser. Yeah. Really good stuff. And yeah, so we have also, did you guys know about like that there was going to be this whole thing before we've talked about it in previous podcasts about how Marvel TV folded and the MCU picked it up and we started blah, 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 blah. But before all that happened, they were setting up something called the Adventure into Fear universe. Ooh, and so I like it. They, they released, did you ever see Hellstrom, Jean? Yes, I did. Yeah. I did watch it. That was the only show that actually got released from this plan. And then they were going to have... Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. And they uh, were going to have the Ghost Rider spinoff from Agents Ooh. of S.H.I.E.L.D. with Robbie Reyes. Okay. Um, and they were going to have at least two more. And, and the idea was there was going to be like a big crossover event with Lilith as the main antagonist. Who's oh, like wow. The mother of all demons. Like, yeah. Um, so... I wonder if we might see, this is just pure speculation slash wishful thinking, but I just wonder if we might end up seeing any of these characters in Marvel horror. Were they, was it something akin to the Midnight Suns? Um, yeah, they were calling it Adventure into Fear, but I don't, I don't know. So, they didn't so there was call a, it. Yeah. There, there, there's a, a comic in, I want to say the 90s, that had Blade, Morbius, Werewolf by Night. Yeah. Doctor but, Strange, I think Ghost Rider. Yeah, but now and there's a new version going on now with with new characters in it, and it's actually one of my favorites. But it's Midnight Suns with an with a U in it because there's female uh, characters in it too. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I would take a Halloween special of Ghost Rider for sure. Yes. Please. That, that would be awesome. I was kind of expecting that. In I don't know. I made it up in my head that that's because when we were started talking about. There was going to be a Halloween special or something. I was like, oh, I, oh is it going to be Ghost Rider? I, and maybe that was just me projecting. But, uh, you know, if you're listening, Feige, you know, give us some <laughs> Ghost Rider one-off <laughs> Halloween special. That would be very cool. Yeah. No, I, I want I want multiple Ghost Riders because there's like a whole mm. pantheon of them. I want yeah, like is. the Spider-Verse of Ghost Riders. They Ooh, are. Ooh, that's yeah. interesting. 
Especially but of course, you always want more witches, though. So, um, well, yeah. So, yeah, my favorite ghost writer is Kushala, who is also a sorcerer supreme. So, okay. But yeah, speaking of witches, uh, so there obviously there's the Darkhold Diaries that it's now called the Agatha Harkness Show coming up, and God, they kept um, changing the name. Yeah, yeah. I know. Whatever. Right, and, and we're into 2024. Or are we, yeah. Feeling I mean, confident about that? It, nobody's feeling confident about any release dates beyond the, like the Marvels, except I think the animated stuff's pretty safe. Okay. But yeah, Agatha and uh, whatever and whatever that's called and uh, Echo, I guess, are the ones that are really... Right. Uh, and Wonder... Yeah. Uh, Blade was put on hiatus. Wonder Man was put on hiatus filming. Yeah, they so. scrapped uh, half a season of... Uh, uh, Daredevil. Yeah. Daredevil. Yeah. So... Mm-hmm. Who knows what's going on? But if they're going to be swapping around and creating a more showrunner-focused traditional TV sort of thing, like, fine. Do it it better. Yeah. Right? You know? That's fine. Yeah. Well, it's the same with, like, uh, Jean, you you know, bringing up the DC. It's the same with James Gunn. It's like, you know what? Okay, you're going to start it over one more time? Fine. Do it better this time. Do it better. Do this time, like this is this is the chance. Well, yeah. we're twenty minutes, almost twenty minutes okay. into this pod. Yeah. We should probably get to talking about Werewolf by Night. Any any final notes or um, no. no? Just just looking forward to Mephisto finally showing up. Ironheart's gonna have like a spooky theme, and okay. uh, yeah, you listen to us talk more about this, all the special presentation stuff in the pre Loki prep episode. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. We talked about it uh, back then. So cool. All right. Werewolf by night. Uh, Some interesting characters and some cool stuff. We're going to talk, we're going to give our hot takes here. We're going to talk a little bit about the, the behind the scenes, and then we'll give you a big warning before we kick into talking about spoilers. So if you haven't seen it yet, no worries. You can just get our vibes from, from here. Jean, what did you think of this? I liked it a lot, mm-hmm. actually. And I really appreciated that they just told one singular story and rocked with it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was well done. Mm-hmm. I watched it both in, in color and in the, in the black and white that they put right. out. Yep. I just felt it was a nice spooky vibe. Mm-hmm. At some point, we have to talk, we have to dedicate some time to talk about MCU soundtracks mm. there because. What they do with music in some in some of these shows is just outstanding. And it really goes to ramp up your expectation of what's going on mm-hmm. on screen without dialogue, just the music. Uh, just the music and following the characters as they, they walk, they run, and they do whatever that they're doing. Mm-hmm. At some point, we have to you know stop and recognize that MC, the MCU TV shows are doing something really special with the sound that they Absolutely. have. Interesting. I really, I, I, I liked it. I liked the characters. I was Elsa, you know, Jack, Man Thing. You know, I, I liked those characters, right? Mm-hmm. And I was appreciative of of having those characters that are not the everyday, like we were just talking about with Blade and Iron Man when they came out. They were not the everyday, the well-known characters that everybody across the globe knows. These are niche characters, right? For a lot of folks. But yes. mm-hmm. they are really, really cool characters that, you know, they do a lot of different things. You could tell different stories with them. And I really like that. Yeah. Nice. Alicia? So this film is really a love letter to classic horror cinema. And that is speaking my personal love language. So uh, I just find it also Based on that, I'm, I'm biased to like it, but they just. But I'm <laughs> also going to be. But I'm also going to be picky. Um, and oh, sure, right, right. You're going to have some you high know, standards. So, Jean, you're talking about the um, the music. Well, the music was uh, from Oscar, Grammy. Uh, you know, almost got an EGOT. Doesn't have a Tony winner. Uh, Michael Giacchino, who is also <laughs> the director of this, and this oh, wow. was. Okay. Like so, he's been wanting to be a director since he was a little kid, and making movies at home. And he went to theater school on the side, studied music at Juilliard. And um, F- Kevin Feige knew this and said, "You want to direct something? What do you want to direct?" And he's like, "I want to do a Werewolf by Night." And he's like, "And Kevin wow. Feige's like, okay, all right. Uh, what do you think about putting Man Thing in there?" And he's like, "Deal." 
So wow, okay, <laughs> wow, fun. Yeah, that's very cool. But yeah, I just find I find it the pacing for me is just really well done in terms of it gives you room to breathe and to let the characters get to know each other. But then there's other scenes that really build attention. Uh, it's high camp in the best way possible, but also yes. has real human heartache in it. I mean, I think it's it's for anyone who's into film. There's something to at least appreciate in it, and for me, it happens to be my one of my favorite kinds. Yeah, it makes me want more. And it's got Man Thing, which is for some reason one of my favorite characters. <laughs> <laughs> Theodore Salas. <laughs> there you go. Very cool. Yeah. And what about you, David? You what said did cute. I describe it? I, yes, you I said, said cute. cute. <laughs> Back when I first watched it, because you guys were talking it up, you, Alicia, especially were talking it up. Yeah. Well, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll go. <laughs> I have to go watch this. And I watched the black and white before they released the, the uh, color. And I, I did. I thought it was cute. I thought it was charming. Mm-hmm. Maybe charming is a better word than cute. The character development, the character interactions, they told a really nice, tight story. They did MCU without feeling like it was MCU. Like, I don't know, man thing. I don't know what all those monsters were up on the wall. Uh, I don't know what the bloodstone is. But everything I needed to know about this story was communicated to me effectively in the story. I got right. it, right? right? There's this powerful stone. They do a little opening monologue, um, you know, right? You, the, the basic plot setup. Everything I needed was right there. And it had a character arc. We had some dramatic tension. We had, you know, uh, some uh, circumstantial things change and happen. So that, that sh- made the character shift and reevaluate. Uh, we got to see the, you know, a character do a, uh, you know, a transformation and all, all of it. It was, was really, really tightly done. And uh, I think uh, Gail Garcia Bernal was mm-hmm. perfect casting for this. He was great. That charming, uh, unassuming uh, nature that he has is just lovely. I, I like watching him on screen. I can watch him almost in anything. I think Mozart in the Jungle yep. was the first time I really knew of who the, who this person was, oh. and then he. Me too, Mama know, Tambien. Yeah, that too. But I don't think I I don't think I ever saw that. I mean, I'm aware of the title, but and then of course he was in Station Eleven, which is one of my mm-hmm. absolute favorite television shows. So yeah, I just I thought it was was lovely. We'll talk about some production details in a minute, but I loved a bunch of little things that they did to make it feel authentic uh even though we're, you know, pulling it up into the into the future. So yeah, it was a perfect what is it? It's not even 45 minutes. It's 55, but that's yeah, including credits. It's almost so, an hour. Yeah. 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 So, so maybe less like 50 than an hour. Yeah, it it was hour. wonderful. I was so entertained by this. And so if you haven't seen it, and it's it's not horror in a sense of gore and jump scare stuff. Mm-mm. It's it it does throw back to that organ playing, you know, and using, uh, you know, shadows to show a monster's transformation as opposed to showing, you know, special effects and the, the, yeah, they have a lot of camp and fun with it. So it's not at all scary in a horror sense, right? It was just super entertaining. And, and so anybody who hasn't seen it, I would say, go see this. This is a, this is a worthwhile MCU project for sure. We need more original stuff in uh, right MCU. this is we totally mm-hmm. need more of these like this is what it was, it was a lovely thing and if it's a christmas thing with the guardians or if it's if it's a halloween thing whatever i don't care just you know you know do have some fun right, right. Like, like right shake it off and you know dance a little bit right have some fun so, yeah why do we need to be so serious with all this <laughs> red so yarn serious? string connected yeah. you know ip right you want to make some money make some fun products that are yep. good that's that are going to be evergreen on on the shelf right for your streaming yep. platform so you know if you give enough us enough holiday specials be they halloween or christmas or you know uh, um, you know new year's easter whatever stuff those things are going to become annual traditions we're going to watch those year after year after year right so Anyway, I'll, I'll, I've been soapboxing a lot this last week. I'm going to knock it off. Let's um, swing our point of view really quick to some production and release notes because we've got two versions of this, right, Alicia? We've got a, mm-hmm. this colorized one and a black and white. I thought that that was going to be gimmicky, 
but it's not. I think they did a good job with the colorization. I don't know. What, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think I definitely prefer the black and white just because okay. that, that was the original conception. And in sure. the black and white, there are certain, there are certain moments you lose when it's purely colorized because the black and white does uh, play with particularly the color red in certain moments. Okay. In certain right. ways. And, yeah. and some of the ways that they do the makeup and special effects are designed, were designed to be viewed black and white. Yeah, I get that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Some of the strobe light effects were, uh, that's all about black and white stuff. Right. And the artwork that they use and the set decoration. Mm-hmm. But um, the director, Gia Kino, did note that the they did think about what it would look like with color when uh-huh. he was filming. So uh, they did have that in mind when they were doing. Wow. Yeah. And, okay. and they, the fact that they use Technicolor, well, they need it to, yes. but, right. Right. but it keeps that like off kilter vintage tone that you, that it's going for. So it keeps it in line even. So I prefer the black and white, but I'm glad the color exists and I'll watch it again. Jean, do you have a preference either way or both are both cool in your, in your book or. I thought they were both cool. Okay. Um, you know me. I'm, I'm. I'm not like. A, I'm not as technical as the two of you are. <laughs> <laughs> at least it's way like, more technical. Than I, 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 I look at the screen. And I say, yeah, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I, I like it. It right looks on. cool. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it was. Um, I think the black and white gave a different feel mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it really put because I, I was I was a kid that that used to watch like the the old Dracula movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, Frankenstein movies, the werewolf movies. Like I, I watched those things repeatedly. So it was nice to, to feel that mm-hmm. again, you know, while watching this right. and knowing it's like, this is really a callback to my childhood. Sure. Right. You know? nostalgia, right? And, nostalgia and, that's the, yeah. and that's the real point. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, in my parents' bedroom, watching a, a black and white TV, watching yep. black and white we didn't have color TV, <laughs> you know, when I was growing up, I, I didn't have one it was right? until, yeah, basically. <laughs> right. And just watching it on my, you know, my parents' bedrooms, little screen. And mm-hmm. I remembered that feeling, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and I watched it when it first came out, I watched it at night, you know, it was late and it was really cool to, to be stuck in a time warp mm-hmm. going backwards, you know, for, for that 50 minutes or so. When I watched the color version, I thought it was just like, wow, this is for someone who appreciates, you know, that language. Mm-hmm. It looks really great. Mm-hmm. Right. It looks really great because there are, there are folks who really appreciate that sort of visual style. Right. Right. They'd like to see, you know, flash of color here with the, especially with the bloodstone, mm-hmm. you yep. know, yep. that red resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Um, the pulsating that it did resonated right. with me. Right. Or um, the magic. Yeah. Yeah. We, we got to be careful not to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, we're but, okay. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, just. but it, it, it did resonate with me in color. I think um, some scenes more so more than the black and white did. Right. I thought that the colorization was just going to be a gimmick. Like they filmed it, they desaturated it, called it black and white. And then, oh, okay, we're going to release a colorized version and we're just going to flip the color back on and, you know, call it good. But then when I watched, when I was watching it, I realized, oh no, they filmed it in black and white in the sense that regardless of whatever the camera sensors were capturing, they built their vision of it and in the sets and like you were saying, Alicia, all that stuff was designed to be black and white. So when they colorized it, it wasn't just a cheap trick of, of flipping the color switch. And I really do appreciate that they made it technicolor mm-hmm. and they did that sort of comic booky feel that we talked about with the spider verse where it feels like colors are bleeding off of each other right. slight, mm. ever so slightly mm. and it right. feels a little bit rough and it feels a little bit hyper and it's really, if, when it's dark, it's dark. And when it's colorized, it's colorized. It, it just, it gave a, a really nice vibe to it. Yeah. The one thing about the black and white that I didn't like was that 
It was a bit of a softer gray palette for my person. This is just my personal black and white taste. Okay. Okay. Like okay. High contrast black and white. I don't like smoothed mm-hmm. out, uh, you know. Okay. So I felt it was a little bit uh, soft there. I would have liked the blacks to be a little bit more punchy, but. Yeah. Well, so it was, um, so the black and white was specifically a nod to the classic universal horror monster movies of the 30s and 40s. Got so it. they yeah, were going for that. Easy tone gray. Mm -hmm. And then the color, he was going for the Hammer film productions, you know, the monster movies, the gothic ones from the 50s and 60s and 70s that had, had, in his terms, saturated colors and stark light lighting. Yeah, that's uh, And that's what we got. They did a nice job. And and I too, Jean, like I, we grew up, you know, I remember black and white TVs and I remember having, when we got our first color TV, it was a big, big deal. deal. It was yeah. a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> or your relative who had a color TV, you go uh, over to your house, uncle so-and-so, and you're like, yeah, watch the big console TV. Uh, so yeah, lots of, lots of black and white uh, viewing. So it was fun to, uh, feel that nostalgia that they were playing with there on, on both sides of, uh, of that. One of the, Two of the things that I really appreciated to what they did, and I noticed this in the sort of opening credit, but then noticed it throughout the film, they they kind of, uh, they made it so it was sort of shaky, almost as if the celluloid of the film against the lens of the uh, projector was moving and you get that right. weird and so shaky. Re- yeah, yeah. Shakiness. Yeah. And they recreated right. that. And then the other cool thing I noticed, did you see the, did you mm-hmm. catch it? Alicia? The Q marks. Yeah. The Q marks. Yeah. I was like, I saw that. I was like, Oh no way they did it. They, you know, I which is how they, at all. how projectors, how they would have projectors line Synchronized it up. Projectors. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. they yeah. would so back switch in the day when you had multiple projectors, the camera operator had to know when to switch from one camera, one projector to the next. And so there were these little blips usually up on the right-hand corner. There's a great Wikipedia article about Q markers. That was just a fun little nod that they, I jumped when I saw it. I got more, I jumped more, I jumped <laughs> higher when I saw the Q mark that I did than any jump scare that was in the That's funny. Show. That's, yeah. so, that's great. That's great. Very cool. Um, so you guys were talking about the score. So we kind of talked about the composer already, right? Anything right. Else well, add? Yeah, I wanted to, I I need to make a pitch for people to watch Director by Night, which is the documentary that is made, was made by uh, Anthony Giacchino. So the director slash composer, Michael Giacchino's brother, Anthony is also an Oscar winner for his, uh, for a documentary short called Colette. So this is actually one of my favorite documentaries in the whole world. But of course, yeah, I have a bias. It's about, <laughs> it's, it's a documentary that anyone who loves film should watch. Okay. So for example, I watched this before I watched The Fablemans, which was the uh, Steven Spielberg semi-autobiographical mm-hmm. movie that did really well in the award season last year. And I was disappointed in the Fablemans because this movie had done this story so much better, just showing how a young nerd who, and showing how he made like these films on a budget and how he grew up and then incorporating and showing how he used these budgeted things that he did as a kid in his big grown up Marvel movie um, to create these practical effects showing it side by side and also throwing in all this personal home footage uh, with the family. It's like very intimate, honest. Uh, This family is so much personality. Like I will protect the Giacchinos with my life now. And that's mixed in with like this sort of fly on the wall on set footage. So no talking heads. You just kind of get to look over the creator's shoulders and see how things actually look and how things are actually made. With cool. the great I just uh, soundtrack. I just added it to my watch list on Disney. And yeah, it just makes my heart feel really full, leaves me on a high. So I highly recommend it. But definitely watch it uh, after the film okay. if you haven't seen the film because, you know, spoilers. Smart. All right, uh, Alicia, you've got a plot summary here for us. You want to uh, take us through the, uh, summarize the uh, story for us? Oh, and just, this is it. This Final is warning. spoilers. 
I'm literally about to summarize the plot. Pause it, come back, <laughs> and uh, check us out. We're here for you. So, Big Daddy Monster Hunter Ulysses Bloodstone passes away after a very extended long life. They didn't even talk about how long it is. In lieu of leaving the family's mystically powered Bloodstone to his estranged daughter, Elsa, his widow summons five experienced monster, monster hunters to compete to the death for the powerful artifact. The one racking up the most kills there is the mysterious Mexican Jack Russell. But the estranged daughter drops in to the party as well, just in time to see her father's corpse perform his last song and dance. <laughs> Literally. And, yeah. <laughs> He's incorrigible. <laughs> and to begin the hunt. <laughs> the bloodstone will be affixed to the back of the fearsome man-thing, both weakening and enraging him. Fear him, and you will melt at his touch. Luckily, Jack, and thanks to him also Elsa, do not fear him because Jack is his close buddy. Uh, this is his close buddy, Ted Salas, and Jack is there to spring him. So he and Elsa team up to get her the stone and then the exit. And after a flirty lockdown in a crypt, they half succeed. But wicked stepmother Verusa arrives with her goons, taking both Jack and Elsa down and outing Jack as a monster himself. She locks him in a cage, thinking she's solving uh, two problems in one, but Jack is determined not to hurt Elsa, and everyone else is fair game, though, and Man-Thing shows up to take Verusa out, uh, especially, <laughs> a few especially Verusa. So Elsa ends up at the Bloodstone and her father's estate, and Jack can grab some coffee with his bestie Ted in the swamp, and the promise of a future team-up lingers in the air. <laughs> <laughs> nice job. John, are you... <laughs> are you are you a fan of the um, Werewolf by Night comics at all? I read them um, sparingly, so I know his story. But they haven't he has they haven't really done anything with the character mm. recently. Like most of the stories that I read were handed down to me, you know, by the person who got me into comics, basically, because he collected them in the seventies. So I read when I got those comics, I read them. But I never really collected his comics because when I started collecting comics, they, would, they didn't have. Mm. Um, Marvel kind of moved away from doing that stuff that they were doing in the 70s for whatever reason. I don't know why. Wasn't selling as well in the optimistic 80s? 90s. Well, <laughs> I think maybe moving away from those, those subgenres from those 70s. You know, the 70s were really, when you think about film in the 70s, it was different from what they were producing in the 80s. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so I think Marvel took the cue from what, you know, popular culture was doing and, and moved away from telling stories like Blackula and, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, stuff like that I, that I would watch, right? It's mm -hmm. interesting because the 70s were a time when pop culture really exploded, both, in, you know, in television, on screen, I think in comics. I mean, we had comics going back a long way. But I did. I don't, did we have the diversity? I don't know. Is it a technology thing? Is it a? Is it a post? I mean, and I'm just thinking of American culture. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so am I. So no, am I. My, my point of view is limited in that regards. But I just feel that that was an ex, that was a time of a over production. I don't want to say over in a in a bad way, but just like production across the board, no, no matter what the medium was inflated enormously and we were producing a lot and shipping a lot out and obviously you know uh, from both television and cinema we have some of the you know the biggest things ever produced were in the sort of 70s period that's that's true but i think the the types of things that were being done changed in the 80s I agree, right? And then they start. The market started to shift, and we started to see what people's interests were, and as as tastes evolve, right? right. You know, we're gonna we're gonna shift. So, I know nothing about Werewolf by Night. I know nothing about uh, Swamp Thing, uh, Man Thing, Man Thing, Man Thing, Man Thing, See, Swamp Thing is DC, DC, yes, exactly. <laughs> but Man so, Thing was first by like there you uh, go. Yes. months. <laughs> so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about who these characters are. Uh, Jack, who is who is Jack? Where does he come from? What's what do we know about him in the in the MCU? Jack's so, a werewolf. Yeah, Jack Jack Russell. Get it? Get it? Jack Russell. Jack Russell. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, he's he's a werewolf. He inherited uh, this curse from his father, and 
he's is one this, of the is first. This his first on-screen appearance, right? This is yeah, first on-screen. Yeah, appearance. right. Yeah. Off off the pages. Okay. And Elsa is also uh, iconic in the comic uh, comics. She's kind of having a resurgence right now. She's played here by Laura Donnelly, and she's the prodigal daughter of monster hunter uh, Ulysses Bloodstone, but she's more ethical, a bit less evil. Okay. But but they really are. I mean, they they are monster hunters. She and Jack do kill a lot of people. Sure. <laughs> or monsters. <laughs> the casting um, was perfect. Uh, Gail uh, Garcia Bernal was just lovely to watch and to watch the transformation from his mild-mannered sort of nice, I think we should just pass each other by, you know? Yeah, it's exactly. Not, you know, fight right. each other. Yeah. To, to being this bad ass mf'er who who just rips everybody apart and dominates yeah. you know once mm-hmm. he becomes a werewolf was a great very obtuse flip right it's like going from one you know mild manner to like extremely violent is is great and it fits the genre of this old style horror mm-hmm. um and i want to point out when i watched it last night the very time very first time we see him on screen right when he's coming in the elevator to walk in the hall they tell us that he is the monster. They say, right. what do they say? They say, uh, woe to the monster, monster yes. finds yeah. themselves among uh, them, the, you know, mm-hmm. being these people. And then when he's walking in the hallway and looking at the art on the walls, he looks extra long hard at the werewolf uh, yes. mm-hmm. painting there. And so it's like, boom, right there. They're telling us exactly, not that you couldn't figure it out, but it's just really nice little details and hooks like that, that, that make it a quality storytelling uh, exercise. And I love that they made him, I mean, I know this is a foggy request to have man thing included. I love that they made him, them besties. Uh-huh. The interesting cute. thing, yeah, <laughs> it was cute. It was, cute. It was very was cute. cute. And it was, it, it subverts <laughs> expectations for a lot of people, you know, when it's like, oh no, it's the fearsome monster. And he looks like he's going to scream when, you know, the man thing arm comes through the yeah, bush. Right, but then exactly. he's actually like, yeah. oh, it's, I found you. Thank it's God. My friend. Oh, I'm so, yeah. no, I'm the one that rescues you. <laughs> yeah. Right. It was just, it was yeah. charming. But no, I owe you yeah, sushi. I, I well, yeah. you can do sushi. I owe you that. <laughs> like, what what the hell is going on? It was so. I need I need like an odd couple sitcom with them. I loved it. Jean, were you were you down for these uh, for this set? I yeah, because I, I like Man Thing. Yeah, right. And I, I was happy to see Man Thing on screen. Mm-hmm. They and did a good job with the visual yeah the yeah the visual effects were great. Watch director by night. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, and the reason why I was excited to see Man Thing because he's super important in, in in Marvel. Okay, like he has he's one of the few beings that can traverse the entire multiverse. Okay, like yeah. he's a He's what they call a nexus being. Oh, so okay. through him, he, uh-huh. you can travel beyond your own reality. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. So given everything that they were doing prior to stay, you know, phase five, I thought that would play an important role going forward. I don't know if that's still the case. Uh-huh. But it's interesting, but, Feige requested him specifically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So they must have included that his character, the character in, in it for a reason. And I mm-hmm. think it's because he is a Nexus being. Yeah. So, he, yeah. He's a guardian of the Nexus of reality. Yeah. That's got to come into play in Secret yeah, Wars. Yeah. You know, Secret Wars yeah. or something. So we'll see how it does. But yeah, I was I was really excited see, to see this it. This is what I, I've expected. And I know that it's not the reality that we got at MCU. I mean, Joanna's book has been illuminating a lot of this. But this is the kind of stuff that I thought that they would have been doing was they pick a director and it's sort of a story. They say, go tell a story. And then by the way, just add in this little detail, add in that little detail because we're going to hook them up later. So by saying like, oh yeah, you know, put in a man thing here, they can play with that later, even though they don't have any ideas set up for it. They can just allow this to exist and it, it adds so much I didn't know any, I don't know anything about main thing, but mm-hmm. it adds so much to the story than to realize, oh, wait a minute, that was that and that and that, right? I mean, I, I think they they do do that, but I, there's, I think that's what Feige wants to do. Yeah. That's my mm-hmm. impression. But okay. then the studios have, you know, they, they're like, well, what are, how are we lining up our most bankable characters? And Right, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's this whole thing that they need to re- show a return on on investment. Anyway, moving on. How did the romance work for you guys? 
the romance between Jack and Elsa. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fine. I I'm glad it wasn't overly romantic. Um, it was, you know, they were they were nice to each other. They they developed a cooperation. They developed some intimacy and the intensity of the action. But I didn't need, you know, I like that she didn't need to be saved and that he wasn't mm-hmm. um, a lecherous scumbag, right? It was, right. <laughs> it, was uh, it was nicely balanced and he gave her the due respect that, you know, she's earned and, and they had a good adventure. They relied on each other a little bit. So I, I felt it was, it was nice. It was refreshing in a way. I guess that adds to the charm of it for me. It wasn't like, oh, we have to ship these two and one has to be saved by the other or anything like that. It was was appropriate, I thought. I thought so too. And it it made sense, right? Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. you're talking about a couple of hours here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They just met. It's a couple of hours. She's a monster hunter. He's a werewolf. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it, it made sense. To the in the way that they portrayed their their relationship upon meeting each other, there was nothing about it that I said, "Ah, uh, what are, what are they doing here?" You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So exactly. just watching them, the inter, the how they talked to each other and how they moved around each other, it all made sense. And one of my favorite scenes, the probably top two of my favorite scenes, is his transformation mm-hmm. and her horror at his right. being at his transformation, like. That, that showed everything that you needed to know about where she's at, where he's at, right? Basically. Right. Because you don't see his face, but you see it in her. Mm-hmm. You right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah, he told and her. I didn't think about that. I didn't think of that. That's a really good call. And you told her not to break eye contact. So not, she's just looking, right. you know, right. she's got her eyes locked on him. And he didn't mean it in that, in that moment. It was later that you realize when he meant it, mm-hmm. right? When he's about to f- go feral mm-hmm. on her and she didn't break eye contact. Right. You know, when he was about to rip out her throat, he didn't break eye contact. Right, right. He meant in that moment, but when he was transforming, she couldn't take her eyes off of him. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. really subtle things. You know what I mean? And I, I, it just made sense. It just made sense. Yeah. I thought it was really cute too when he's sniffing her. She's like, she's like, what the hell? Like, did this work? <laughs> like, oh, once. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a perfect line delivery. It was, but it's it was also, so it's charming. such a tease because it like is. you could, you could give us a whole story about that later. What's this once? Mm. What, you know? Right. Right. I love that they were, they were two outsiders together. They were the two misfits at this gathering. Yes. You know, it's yeah, a gathering of misfits. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. You know what I, I also found interesting because I think we're about to start talking about the, the villain side of things here was that, the monster hunters, if you looked at some of those heads on the walls, mm-hmm. those were pretty horrific things that I don't know that I'd want, you know, wandering around my neighborhood, <laughs> you know, at mm-hmm. any time of the year. And so what do they do, though? They they effectively destroy a whole cadre of monster hunters, not that those people shouldn't have had some check or something. They're monsters in and of themselves. And I think we get that vibe when we're going around the room when they walk in and we get the the setup for this. These are the monsters. Yes. Right. As much as yes. those things up on the walls are monsters. But and are those I, things on the wall monsters, really? Uh, yeah. I mean, because Jack could be on the wall, you know? And exactly. he's, he's, yeah. Is he a monster? Right. <laughs> but some of those things look pretty monstrous. So, you know, like, I don't know what am I supposed to do? I'm just a yeah. mortal human, right? I'm, you know. Right, right, right. But and that's, you, that's yeah. the question. Right, right. That's the and question, right. who is who are these monster hunters to have this power and to do this stuff? Great, if you're protecting us, lovely, that's wonderful. But we can see that when you get too far off in your own little enclave and you don't, you're not connected to society, power starts to change the way you perceive and the the way that you operate and the and the freedom at which you operate with, you know, a, a la Zakovia and um, what was mm. the other town where they blew up the it was at the start of civil war where they um the whole building they were in i think they were in africa yeah they were in west africa i forgot somewhere. i forgot what country yeah in west africa but they were in africa i know what you're talking about yeah yeah can't so, remember where right, this, this thing where these super hour these superpower superpowered people 
gods, right. whatever they are, are operating. And that's the whole Zakovia Accords question, right? Like, what are the controls that we have? You are a walking nuclear weapon. So we've got these monster hunters walking around unchecked. But are they, you know, are they doing good? Are they doing bad? I don't know. It's questionable. I don't MBC. know enough. Yeah. But aside aside from from Ulysses, yeah, w- were they superpowered? No, no, I mean, they, they all right. seemed very human, just right. badass. They, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're operating above. They're 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 operating extrajudiciously, right? They're, yeah, there's no controls on, and there's no transparency right. in what they're doing or how they're doing it. But it's interesting to see like them them interact and interact with Jack and you know like I, I don't remember the one character's name but the biker looking guy with the beard you, and they seem like they could be friends in another life. Right, <laughs> he was very gregarious. Yeah, yeah. Said it's very lonely being a monster hunter. Yeah. So and, it is. Now, are any of those other monster hunters characters? That are known, or they were they made for this? Uh, no, I mean the one guy looked had a blade like Vi, but it, that wasn't Blade, obviously. No, no, I think they he's were a Blade's part monster, right? I mean, he's a vampire. He's, he's, yeah, yeah, he's, he's a, a vampire. He's a he's a vampire. Okay, yeah, yeah. half yeah. human, yeah. half, yeah. half, half, yeah. half, yeah. half human, half spoilers. Half. <laughs> 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 you didn't already know. I mean, spoilers know, for the premise. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> That'll be revealed in the first scene, I assume. Yeah. So, yeah, and even with this whole secret society and masks and robes, uh, that, th- yeah, who's the monster? I, I, I just like that they ask that mm-hmm. question in this. Right. Well, I think um, it, the villains were expertly led by Sa- Harriet Sampson Harris, who played Verusa, yes, the stepmother. Yes. Yeah, she really sold that whole manic and, and just made it high camp, but also believable. You know, she, it mm-hmm. wasn't. It wasn't just a caricature. Yes. Were any of those monsters that were on the wall known quantities from previous MCU things? They looked great. I mean, you can you can go on YouTube and see a lot of speculation about okay. it because maybe the one that one of them kind of looks like Nosferatu ish. People are like maybe yeah, that's yeah, a vampire. Very vampire yeah. like. Mm-hmm. Very early vampire like. Nothing right, that you see exactly. in Blade. Right. Okay. Yeah. Very. Yeah. And that's also a, a monster movie, classic universal horror throwback style. Right. There's got to be some Easter eggs too on the, on the walls and the painting. So, you know, yeah, well, sure. I mean, you can go on like new rock stars and stuff and they have yeah. translated all of the texts. Of course they yeah. have. That's what they do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so very cool. What else? What, what else should we talk about? I mean, yeah, I just uh, just appreciation for the production design and cinematography. Uh, Zoe White was a cinematographer, and I just I love how they use these tight shots a lot. That mm-hmm. um, they limit the perspective, which also helps with you know when you yeah. don't when you don't have a lot of money to spend on uh, putting too much in the screen at the same time, right. and you're trying to hide like things where you've cheaped out, but also it adds to the dread. And I also have, I have to commend, I have to commend the actors for really rising yes. to that occasion because when you have a camera in your face like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. True. What are you say, John? No, um, I agree with what you just said, but going back mm-hmm. to, um, David's question about the other characters, I just wanted to make sure, but, all of them were creations for the show. Okay, interesting. I was just checking on one. I thought Azriel might have not been okay. a creation, mm-hmm. but the the others they were all creations, Verusa okay. included. Well, and and again, kudos to production design for making those heads and, and they felt. Mm-hmm. I when I watched this, I was like, oh, these have to be callbacks to other MCU things. This has to be part of something, but they're not. If they're not. That's it. How cool is that? Because they went to all that effort to make these really scary heads and monsters and all these monster hunters that felt like they had backstory and history yeah. and, and they were they were added there. So that's that's even more cool in a, in a way. Yeah. Kudos to production designer Maya uh, Shimoguchi. Sorry, uh, okay. Marker. Kudos to production designer Maya Shimoguchi. Well, kudos to them uh, in spades. Yeah, and how cool was that tube torch? Uh, it looks even cooler <laughs> in the documentary. That. I was like, what the heck was that? <laughs> that was my favorite scene. The yeah, it looks torch? awesome. Yeah. Between that and that and the transformation. And the, yeah. mm-hmm. that, the, the tube torch, man. That that was just that was drama. Great. Yeah. It was so, <laughs> I felt so bad for Jack. I was like, 
because I didn't know when I first watched it, it was Man Thing, right? That was waiting, mm-hmm. right. mm-hmm. you know? Right. So I'm like, man, what, what is going on here? And this guy is leading the, this procession and he's playing the tuba and you have this, oh, <laughs> like, and then alternating with the monster roar and this flame coming out of the tuba. It was, that's one of my favorite scenes. One of my favorite scenes. Really cool. What else we got? Yeah, so just the story was written, by the way, by Heather Quinn who, from Hawkeye and Peter Cameron, who did uh, writing for WandaVision and Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't find it. It wasn't scary, but it was it had the right mood. It set the right tone. There was suspense. Apparently, yeah, that's what Giacchino said, the director. It needs mm-hmm. suspense. It needs dread. We don't want to be void of humor, It's uh, but it's not about the humor. But it does. It does make me laugh out loud. Does do you guys laugh at this? Yeah, uh, I, I yeah. totally <laughs> enjoyed it. I think they they employed humor in the right way as well. There's a there's a grotesque way of adding humor mm-hmm. and and trying to be funny. And then there's life is it can be very humorous just on its face. I thought one of the funny, you know, one of the funnier scenes was when they were passing each other by in the garden. Well, well I'll just pass, right? He's fumbling around trying to explain something. It was a very funny scene, right. given the the context of it. But they weren't telling a stupid joke or trying to push humor in her face. So I think they used the sensibility of humor really judiciously, which makes it more effective, right? Rather than right. Yeah, so in the documentary, Giacchino says, Monsters are all allegories for the human hardships we go through and how people cope with the demons in their lives. Mm, mm-hmm. Great stuff. Yeah, yeah. Great and stuff. And it goes back to the monster hunters and the secret society. They're the monsters in, in, in yes. a way. Right? Yes. And mm-hmm. Ted is- In a big way. Yeah, and Ted's just Ted. <laughs> Right. He's not yeah, bothering nobody. Like, yeah, he's trying to live his life, right? He's not bothering nobody. They capture him, stick this stone in his back, you know, yeah. like, what the hell. And even Jack is is saying, like, please don't do this. This is not a good idea to do this. You know, like have a little humanity and they don't have any humanity. They're right. as, as bloodthirsty as any monster that they've ever hunted. Quickly yeah. back on production too, I just want to the the transformation of Jack. The way they awesome. did it with the shadows, which is awesome. a great callback, Alicia, like you were saying, to old style monster uh, shows where they didn't have visual effects in that same way. So they had to figure out something. And so using the shadows was perfect. And like you said, when uh, Elsa was watching watching him. Yeah. And then later when he's in the hallway and he's being confronted, they use the strobe light effect. And again, the, that mm-hmm. close up camera angle thing to create the drama and the tension. Sorry, I know that's sort of production details, but I no, yeah, no, those. but yeah, you can see so many Easter eggs nodding to like Tales from the Crypt. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently, Poltergeist was a major influence. King Kong, in terms of like the relating to the monster, obviously, okay. like the Wolfman, Werewolf in London, yeah, Twilight Zone, uh, film noir. Like they've just really leaned into film and particularly horror film history, which is one of the reasons why I love it so much. Right. It's because it's, it's a, it, like you said, at the, I think at the top, it's a love letter to mm, uh, that mm-hmm. genre and that style of filmmaking. So, yeah, and it's cool. I think it's, it's great that they were able to package in all of this MCU stuff on top of inside of this. It, it feels really, it's got a, a depth and a richness to it that, and, and as well as all that connectivity. So, yeah, I think it's really well balanced. Yeah. So, I hope we see more Man Thing, Werewolf by Night, and Elsa Bloodstone. Um, yes. Hopefully. Jean, do you think that the red from the bloodstone, do you think that could have anything to do with chaos magic? Yes. <laughs> Wholeheartedly. The one place that they did splash out yes. on special effects, on visual mm-hmm. effects, besides main thing uh, with the acid smash, whatever, was, was with the bloodstone magic when she forced uh, Jack to turn. They really did use, they, they splashed out on some visual effects there. I totally think it's chaos magic. And again, I was just thinking about the linkage to Scarlet Witch, the linkage to Multiverse of Madness, all of these, these things that, you know, seem to fit together in a way. Mm. So I really hope that's, that's what they were playing on. But again, it's, and Wanda is a nexus being herself, right? Mm-hmm. As we mm-hmm. saw in, in Doctor Strange, she she 
knows how to tap into different universes herself. So she is a nexus being. So is Doctor Strange. Interesting. Um, so they, yeah, I just hope that they, it doesn't have to be in Secret Wars for it to play out. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be in the next big Marvel thing. It could just be another self-contained thing and that would be cool. Okay. And I really hope that we get um, Jack's niece, Nina Price, who is vampire by night. And she has inherited her uncle's curse, but then also gets bit by a vampire. Vampire. Um, and she's rec- recruited for Nick Fury's Howling Commandos with uh, uh, Man Thing and <laughs> and with Hit Monkey. So actually, that's how I kind of started reading Howling Commandos is because I went in through the Hit oh, Monkey wow, okay. Man Thing back door. Uh, yeah, but uh, Hit Monkeys we discussed recently is licensed out to another studio. But come on, let's get some let's get some Vampire by Night. She's awesome. She's one of my new favorites. Yeah, let's play, right? MC mm-hmm. play. Like let let, yeah. let it, you know, take the shackles off here. Let let uh let's have some fun with this stuff. And the last thing I'll say is that there is a Werewolf by Night comic that a comic run with Elsa Bloodstone. Um it's mm-hmm. a limited series. I haven't read it yet. I'm waiting for the entire thing to to play out and then I'll just get all the the books. I think they're on maybe issue number 3 now. I believe it's 3 of 5. So if you want to check that out, definitely check that out. Because I think they created this directly because of the success of this um, show. Nice. Well, anything else? No, just have a spooky Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) For sure, for sure. Yeah, check out uh, Alicia did multiple coverage of the fall of House of Usher. You had a podcast with your sister. You were on with uh, John from the Lore, Lore Hounds. You were on with Anthony uh, from uh, Bukaloo. So uh, great. I started to watch, I'm up through halfway of episode drama. Yeah. three. Oh, yes, okay. yes. And the audio drama. I forgot about that. Yeah. Halfway through, were, yeah. Did you read that with, uh, who did you read that with? Well, I did follow the House of Usher. And then we also added the Raven, which, which Dead Eye Jedi Bob read. And uh, oh, there might have been a haunting Lost Lenore. <laughs> Very cool. Cool. All right. Well, thanks everyone for dropping in on this bonus episode of the MCU. Uh, as Alicia said, whatever traditions you might follow or practice at this time of the year, I hope it's meaningful and for you and your family. Jean, Alicia, great to see you guys. And I will see you tomorrow morning. Uh, all right. <laughs> Loki episode four. Oh, yes, gosh. already. Already. It's crazy. They're packing a lot into this. So, all right, everybody, okay. take care. See you next time. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. 